Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for December 17th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we wrap up our podcasting year with a look at why feed costs are rising and what it means for livestock growers. And we hear from the chair of the Scott County Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee, which was recently honored as the state's top women's committee. First, pork and poultry producers may face a sharp run-up in feed costs in the first quarter of 2021 due to higher corn and soybean prices. Ken Moore spoke with James Mitchell, an agricultural economist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture agriculture about this end-of-the-year price swing and its impact on livestock feed costs. On this edition of Arkansas AgCast, I have the pleasure of speaking with James Mitchell. James is an agricultural economist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. James, uh, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. James, uh, let's talk a little bit as we near the end of the year. We're just a few short days now away uh, from New Year's Day. Hard to believe that 2020, this challenging year that we've all experienced, is about to uh, be over. But uh, at the end of the year, uh, we have a little, uh, if you will, uh, news to report in the uh, grain, if you will, the grain industry uh, of our country and also the animal protein sector. Uh, it's been reported, James, that uh, livestock producers, especially pork and poultry producers, uh, as we enter the new year, will face a 12% increase in feed costs. And that's because of higher grain prices, uh, especially in the area of corn and soybeans. And, and this article indicates this is the highest year-over-year inflation in those feed costs since 2011. So well, what's behind uh, these higher grain costs? Yeah, so um, I think we all share the sentiment that, that 2020 has certainly been a wild ride, and, and we are coming to a close here. So um, this feed cost inflation estimate that you're, you're citing is a function of, of higher uh, bean and corn prices. Um, and, and to your point about the highest we've seen since 2011, uh, for corn, what we're seeing is we're going to have – $4 corn this year on average for the first time since the 2013-2014 uh, crop year. Um, and a lot of what this is, it's it's both a supply and a demand story, right? So I'm an economist. Um, break everything down in terms of supply and demand kind of makes it more digestible for everyone to, to listen to. And this is very much a, a supply and demand story, right? So um, on the supply side, as we've kind of moved through the year, um, USDA puts out their monthly WASDE report that gives us some good estimates of, of what the crop's going to look like and what use will look like for the rest of the crop year. And, and front, since about September, I should say, USDA has put out revisions that would suggest a, um, a smaller um, uh, crop for 2020-2021. For um, some slight revisions to yield. Um, down to about 175 bushels per acre, which is a, about a 1.5% decline from, from what we were estimating in September for corn. A lot of that is some of those those storms that we've talked about in the news um, that occurred in Iowa. Um, and so that's kind of the supply situation for corn, very much a similar situation with, with beans, where our total um, kind of sub soybean supply for the year um, is expected to be down uh, 4%. Um, similarly for, for corn, 
Um, that's kind of the supply situation, right? So if you've got less supply, um, you expect to see higher prices. This is also very much a, a demand story, right? So, so mm-hmm. China um, exports to China have been have been way up, right? So, um, for this year, we're expecting to see exports to China for corn, for example, increase on on the on the number of of 36 percent. Why? Wow. Well, um, African swine fever, big big issue for for China, decimated about you know somewhere between 40 to 50 percent of their pig herd. As they mm. keep starting to aggressively rebuild that pig herd, they need more corn for feed, so they're aggressively importing more and more corn. Yeah, uh, they've been dealing with that uh, swine fever outbreak uh, all year long. Uh, as you say, they're trying to rebuild that herd, but they need the feed, and and that's good, you know, for our soybean growers. Oh uh, yeah, definitely, definitely good. Um, that's kind of what we're expecting 2020, 2021. I think the rate at which they're able to recover from African swine fever um, will have an interesting story to tell as we move uh, farther, farther out into the future. Um, I can't tell you beyond um, really what's going to happen this year, what that story might look like. We're going to have to pay close attention to how quickly China is able to rebuild that herd. Well, soy meal is the big uh, item that we export, right, uh, in the way of uh, feed for uh, China and, and their pork industry. Uh, but uh, that's, that's a major export. We've got to have uh, new markets. And so it's, you know, on a, on a positive note as we end the year, uh, the trade deal that was uh, accomplished early in this year, in 2020, the first phase of that new trade deal with China, it seems like uh, is bearing fruit, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So they're starting to kind of meet those uh, commitments off that trade deal. Um, certainly a positive for our livestock and, and our in our ag sector in general. Um, as we move into potentially a, a new year with a new administration, um, hopefully uh, the politics will, will stay out of, of ag trade and we'll be able to kind of maintain a, a strong um, export relationship with, with China. Certainly. Now, as like I said a minute ago, what's uh, good news in the realm of uh, higher grain prices uh, uh, for corn and soybean producers uh, is putting more pressure on pork and poultry producers. And it's, I've noted that the higher feed costs are coming at a challenging time as the meat and poultry industry margins have been pressured by weak prices this year due to COVID-19. Uh, talk about that. And, uh, you know, we had some shutdowns of processing plants early in the season. We've recovered from that now, but uh, that's kind of created some pressure, especially in the poultry industry. I know because of longer out times, things of that nature, they still haven't really recovered from that. Yeah, so the it is definitely kind of a, a double-edged sword, as you put it, where um, you know higher grain prices are great for our grain farmers. Um, it does put some some pressure on, on feedlot margins. And and um, and hog and poultry margins as well for our margin operators. Um, poultry, I should say though, I mean, um, this will impact different sectors in different ways, mainly due to the the, the biology of, of raising uh, poultry or broilers versus hogs or, or cattle. Um, kind of the the mix of the feed ration is is a is a factor there, and that's kind of what you're seeing when you kind of see that inflation number vary by sector. Just kind of looking, though, at, at what margins have looked like, 
poultry has been able to to manage their supply through this year such that they were able to kind of hang on to some some profitability relative to to hogs and cattle right so you can kind of um, hold back what's coming out of hatcheries to to kind of level out supply um, during times of, of stress in the processing sector um, we've seen some more recent profitability on the on the hog side as well and on the the feedlot side as we've worked out through um, this pandemic so there are some positive notes to close out the year, but you're right that that corn prices, soybean prices, um, the effects of, of feed costs are going to potentially tamper um, what we were expecting uh, just a few months ago for, for the livestock sector. So let's kind of talk about what this means for consumers in the protein sector, if you will, in the realm of retail, beef, pork, and poultry prices. Uh, we report every year on the average cost of what it's going to take for a family to prepare the Thanksgiving dinner. Now, that's an unscientific survey that we conduct every November, but it gives a reflection of just how affordable our food supply is. And we still have an abundance. Uh, you know, we, we've recovered from the effects of the pandemic that, and some of the shortages we faced earlier in the year. So there's a supply out there for consumers. But what about the cost? of the protein products uh, going into the new year? Yeah, so um, like you suggested, um, really what the pandemic meant for consumers, it really wasn't a shortage of meat per se. Um, we had enough meat to go around. Really what that was was a logistical issue for our wholesaler processor retailer firms, right? So um, pre-pandemic, uh, product that's destined for restaurant outlets. When we started to see those shutdown orders, um, you can't effectively just take meat and, and dairy product and, and shift that from restaurants to retailers, right? So I, I will note that a lot of what we saw was just a logistical issue, not so much that we didn't have enough food to go around. That wasn't the story. Um, kind of at the height of all of this, though, was was really in June when beef prices were we're averaging about 25 to 26% above what they would have been that same time a year ago. Uh, poultry prices, chicken prices were, were higher, but not quite as high. They were 11% above um, a year ago. Um, as we've kind of moved through the year, we've worked through some of those processor disruptions. Um, retail prices have moderated. So I think if we see anything like we did this year in 2021, I don't think it's going to be as drastic or as as impactful for our consumer in terms of retail prices our our processing firms have invested significant amounts of money to ensure that they can stay open safely and so that should bring some good news for us in 2021 um, on the on the cost side of producing that product yes higher prices should suggest that um, it's going to be more expensive to to grow that product but i think that um, we're not going to see the run-up in prices that we did uh, we did in 2020. Well, that's encouraging. That is encouraging, and I know because of the efficiencies of our producers, uh, the way they utilize technology, they can overcome, uh, at least as far as the consumer, the end consumer is concerned, uh, you know, their input costs, higher input costs are going to be reflected uh, nominally, I think, on the retail outlet, but uh, – at the same time, they're doing all they can to hold down those costs for the consumer. 
and we've been benefiting from lower fuel costs that we all dealt with five, six years ago. Those are staying uh, down, and so transportation costs to get it from the farm to the retailer are not as high as well, so that's all encouraging news. But I'd kind of like to wrap this up by talking about kind of a new phenomenon that's occurred here in 2020. Uh, it's not brand new. It's, there have been always some smaller uh, pork hog farmers, if you will, cattle farmers who have sold direct to consumer through farmers markets or either right off the farm out of their own on-farm freezers, uh, their beef and pork products, even some poultry products perhaps, but it's basically in the hog and cattle sector. And that is more consumers learning where their local cattle and hog farms are located and buying straight from the farm. We're seeing, and we reported on a number of producers doing that this year because they'd rather go to the farm to the person that is growing the beef and the pork products rather than going to the local supermarket. Yeah, it's it's actually funny that you talk about that. Actually, I was visiting with a with an Arkansas uh farm family last week about doing what what is called a, a freezer beef type operation, right? And that's exactly what mm-hmm. you just described where you're you're taking your your calves, you're you're raising them up and, and feeding them out, and then you are selling beef that was effectively raised on your farm. So that's that's quite the question that you would ask about that. Um, it is something that has been um, paid more attention this year. Um, I think some of that is part of this this resiliency we've talked about with our supply chain, right? So these processors shut down. Um, for a period of time, our, our producers didn't have anywhere to send their their animals to to kill, right? Because th- these places couldn't take take animals for slaughter because they were having some pretty big food safety uh, or excuse me, human health uh, worker safety type concerns. Um, and really, I think there's there's definitely room for both um, in the meat supply chain, right? So what you buy at Walmart let's say, it is really a commodity product, right? So um, Uh case-to-case, ground beef is going to look the same as the other ground beef case right next to it. The steaks are going to look similar. It's it's a commodity product. Basically, what this kind of uh, farm-to-table type product is, is it's a value-added product, right? So producers are, are, are doing this because they think that the way they're raising their animals, there's value in, in marketing their product directly, to consumers and, and telling their story is is basically what that is, right? Um, I think that, that that's certainly important for, for people to do that. Um, I don't think that's something that everyone should do. It takes a special um, type of management. It takes special circumstances in some cases to be able to do that. Um, there, there's room for both in our meat supply chain. I should say that um, one isn't going to replace the other, right? So let's say um, you've got some farmers that are going to do a, a farm-to-table kind of freezer beef type operation, they're going to send send their animals to a local processing plant, let's say, that produces, you know, slaughters 2,000 head a, a week, right? Well, our bigger plants that can do 20,000, you know, in a few days or whatever, it's going to take twice as many plants of those smaller plants to produce that same amount of beef, right? So um, I don't think it's directly linked or it should not be directly linked or questioned the resiliency of our supply chain, but I do think that there's something to be said for um, this signal that consumers are sending us that 
they would like to kind of know more about um, their their beef product. Indeed, uh, consumers want to know who it is that's producing their food. Uh, know your farmer, know your food is a slogan that uh, one of our small growers uh, coined. You know, uh, about three four years ago, as I met with him on his farm, and and he uh, has a small grass fed beef and poultry operation on his farm, Saline County. And he had a little store there in Saline County that he, uh, once he had it processed, sold right out of that little local store there about three miles from his farm. Uh, and it was very successful, remains very successful to this day. So more and more producers are, are taking advantage of those opportunities uh, to meet their consumers and, and customers in person. Uh, and then the farmer's market phenomenon as well. If hopefully we can get back to kind of a normal summer farmer's market season next year because those are becoming very popular, uh, again, not just for produce, fruits and vegetables, but also for freezer beef and meat products, as you just said. Uh, absolutely. Um, hopefully, like you said, we can return to a situation where we, we can all kind of gather again at our farmer's markets. Um, throughout all of this, um, I think it's proven that our our farmers and ranchers can get creative and are certainly up to any challenge that's going to be thrown their way. I've seen, you know, um, a lot of these farmers that are selling product right off their farm, you know, are, are definitely taking advantage of, of things like social media, online sales, other ways of getting that product to, to consumers. And it is very much kind of a local story, right? So kind of, you know, James wants to buy Ken's beef because they're friends and they know each other. It's a, they grew up in the same town, something like that. Right. So, Definitely a, a, um, a, a situation where people like to, to buy product from families and from people that they know. Um, hopefully, like I said, we can get back to a situation where uh, our farmer's market's open. We've got, um, you know, not to name drop, but uh, Ron Rainey, who's another ag economist in the division, he works hard and exclusively on a lot of these kind of direct marketing efforts, farmer's market types efforts, for our producers um, in the state. That's right. He certainly does. And I've been working with Ron for many years through your uh, through the Division of Agriculture. So, well, listen, James, thank you very much. I think as we uh, end this year, uh, you know, growers, uh, producers are going to be dealing with the cyclical, cyclical nature of uh, grain prices. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, hopefully we'll have a better production year. It's amazing to me, uh, despite the pandemic, we still have the world's most affordable and abundant food supply, and it's all because of the uh, research that they get from uh, research facilities like the Division of Agriculture and our experiment stations, and then also they're uh, utilizing technology, things of that nature, to keep uh, their input costs down as best they can, their production costs down, and then pass those lower costs on to our consumers. I'm Looking forward to seeing what 2021 holds in store for all of us. I think we all are. Uh, cheers to 2021 for sure. Next, Greg Patterson talks to Regina Oliver, who chairs the Scott County Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee. She tells us how the committee continued their outreach and education efforts despite the unique challenges of 2020 and earned recognition as the Outstanding County Women's Program during Arkansas Farm Bureau's annual convention. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this, edition of Arkansas AgCast, we've got a special guest, Regina Oliver, 
chairperson of Scott County Women's Leadership Committee for Farm Bureau. And, Regina, I am been looking forward to this interview to find out what you all have been doing. So welcome to Arkansas AgCast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate you giving me a call and giving me the opportunity to do this. Well, I mean, this is the question I always have to ask to anyone who's, you know, been honored with an award in some way, shape, or form. What was your initial reaction when you first found out that your committee, the Women's Leadership Committee in Scott County, had won this award? Oh, well, it was kind of odd. I took um, a short break here at work, and I was in a separate little office, and the girls even heard me scream when I screamed out, so they come running like, are you okay? (laughs) I was like, yes, and then my heart just went to beating out my chest. I, we, I knew our ladies worked really, really hard for this. We all worked really hard for it. And, right. But our whole goal at the whole time, our whole goal in the matter of the whole time was educating on agriculture. That's our number one thing. And we didn't put anything in front of, you know, we, we wanted to be first, but we never, I never dreamed that we would be first. But, well, it's, it's a, it's an honor obviously to be named out of, out of, you know, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of, of county um, Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committees, the top committee in the state. And and it was, as you well know, uh, 2020's been a really crazy year with the whole COVID thing. And, and y'all, you know, normally are meeting face-to-face. You're going into schools and classrooms. You're doing a lot of uh, interaction with people, what kind of changes did you have to make during the course of the year when everything kind of, you know, schools let out in the spring and things kind of shut down? Right. Well, in January, I, you know, I just took, I took over the chairperson and, and earlier that year, and I had planned, I just wrote out something on for our board, present it to our board. It's going to be like every normal year would come, you know, what we were going to do, our plans. And needless to say, it all went out the door really fast. One of our goals always is everything we do is educating agriculture and for each student to understand where their foods come from. There's so many people, the the kids out there that we talk to, mom, dad get milk from the store, you know, or they have no clue exactly where it comes from. So what we've done was we just kind of, uh, January happened, February happened, March went into um, a read across America. We started doing that. And from then on, everything just kind of fell downhill, so we had to change plans really fast. So so tell the listeners, um, as you're facing these challenges um, because of the COVID pandemic and, and mm-hmm. things that happened uh, because of it, what kind of projects um, did you wind up doing this year, and how did you adjust? Um, to start with, um, what we done was uh, – School let out, and we our brains just got to thinking, you know, how are we going to do what we had planned on doing? So everybody just kind of told, you know, we had we knew virtual was the only way it was going to happen. So right. we began to throw ideals together as a group, and that's how we've done this whole thing as a group. And I honestly say that we have some darn good women that that I work with, and they they are out there, and you could throw something out, and they might add something to it, or I'd throw something, you know, if somebody else would throw something out, we'd all add to it. But sure. what we done, we decided that, um, well, con- first of all, we con- made contact with Mr. Fielding, which is our superintendent of the school. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I'm telling you right now, he said, 
we do not want to slam the door in y'all's face on this at all. He said it's it, he said students love it and it's very educational, you know, and we want y'all to do what you can do. Therefore, we got to thinking, what can we do? That's when we come up with the uh, ideal of uh, of our fifth grade. We had our fifth grade um, forestry field day, and I thought, how are we going to do that? We're not going to have fifth graders. We can't get our fifth graders in here. So right. we decided to take it out on the uh, Miss Lori's farm where we usually do our, our farm day, and we just set up a a little you know the well we got with the school. And we had the middle school, since fifth grade in middle school, we had the middle school superintendent or principal come. And mm-hmm. he said, let's, let's put it on our Facebook page. What do you think about that? And we said, that's great. We'll put it on there. We'll put it on the city Facebook page. And we'll also put it on the um, uh, Farm Bureau page. So wow. So there, you were you were covering all bases there. Yes, we were. We had, you know, we were just, we're lucky to be able to do that as well. I mean, Farm Bureau, we could, we're easily done. I talked to our mayor and he said, sure, you know, if we would need to put it on the page, you know, to get the word out and ended up being like, when we done this, we ended up having like 30 shares and over a thousand viewers where otherwise we wouldn't have had but just a hundred fifth graders that we would have talked to and, and give the, edu- you know, the educating them on the, the, it was called classroom in the forest is what we called it. And we actually oh, were in the neat. forest. Yep. So we we really done really well on that one. I thought that turned out really well, and the kids all responded to it. And we had them pick up their packets, and you know they kind of got that for a grade at school. They picked up their packets, and they uh, we even had it so that they could, you know, ask questions while we were on live. So that kind of helped us. The uh, middle school principal, which is um, Chris Lipham, he helped us big time with that. So we really, you know, go out to him. We appreciate him very much for it. So so what you're saying is the students actually as they were watching this could could ask questions and things like that. Yes. Yes. We had it fixed so they could ask a question during that time. And then wow. they also they had to come and pick up a packet through our drive in window since we were you know, restricted to any kind of contact with them. They they picked up a packet through our city drive through window and they took it home and it had a uh, it had little ag readers in it, you know, about uh, forestry, and I give them a pencil, and we had some leaves in there for them to enjoy, and also a Farm Bureau bag, backpacks that they got to keep. So there, we had several of them come by and pick them up. Right, right. Now, what other what other programs did you do during during the course of the year? How did you adjust in doing them as well? Well, we had a farm day that, um, or what we have every year, we always, it's been going on for before my time, even we third graders would all get together in the school. Our school district is loves for the women's committee to be involved. They want to be, teach the kids the agri, you know, on the side of agriculture. So therefore they let us take the third grade kids out to uh, the Davis Black Angus farm, which is just south of Waldron, just a little ways. It's not very far from our school, but we knew we could not do that again. And this, this this project right here kind of tested my limits on things. We all decided that we kind of take the booths that we had set up out there and we would all put them together at home. Um, like, uh, we had one lady done uh, wild back cows. She done the cow about the cattle. And then we had another one do worm farming. And then right. another one of our ladies done working with cow dogs, hay production. And then another one we done was, uh, myself. I done this, what does farming have to do with the chocolate chip cookie? And I do it every year out there myself. And, you know, the kids don't think about that. And they think all the products that goes into a chocolate chip cookie 
if we didn't have farms, we wouldn't have the chocolate chip cookie. And exactly. then we also, we done poultry. So there, we, we brought all of those, we done videos in our homes or at our homes on our farms, and we brought them on the three, I think it was like three days, we, we streamed them live on four, four social media Facebook pages. We done the Scott County Farm Bureau, we done the Waldron Elementary School, the Waldron School District itself, and also the Waldron City page. So we had that going out, and we I think there was like 60 shares, and we had several, several people viewing that. So we had, and like I said, it tested my ability. I'm, I'm telling you, I've done mine in my kitchen, and I made cookies that morning. You know, I could smell the cookies cooking and all that, so I got into it, but I was still nervous as heck when I done it. <laughs> so it kind of tested my ability, too. But we ha- we all enjoyed doing it, and the kids really liked it. And we got lots of feedback from just our people in our town from it. That's amazing. Y'all, y'all really, uh, I'm sure you learned new things uh, that you hadn't done before. Um, and, and maybe maybe that's uh, beneficial as we roll into 2021. You've got uh, a knowledge of being able to do things one way when you're dealing with the pandemic. You have the, the way you were used to doing things mm-hmm. all the time. And, and as we roll into 2021, there may be, I'm thinking, a combination of, of both of these ways of doing things. Exactly, and and we've we've talked about that. We don't we we kind of planned on what we're wanting to do for 2021, but we're not going to set it in concrete yet because we know how right. that can drift out from under us. But anyway, we we're kind of having we're, we may mix the two together because we had so many more views and so many more people that got to see what we're out there trying to do just for our students, and there's a lot of, of adults enjoyed it as well yeah that sounds pretty incredible you know um i interview people all over the place in the course Mm -hmm. of doing my job like we're doing right now with you today and and the university of arkansas everything you said your women's committee had to do and adjust Uh to webinars and live streaming and and all these different things to try and reach people all the professionals at the major universities had to do the same thing. So your women's committee was right there with the best of the best. Well, that's you know, good to know. Yeah. Doing this kind of stuff. Yep. And and it's it's pretty fascinating. So I know you're proud of your women. Um and 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 I wouldn't put you on the spot to make you name people individually or that kind of thing. But as a group, tell me about your women and 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 how much you appreciate what they've done the past year. They are all everybody. Everybody are they're all leaders. Nobody is a follower. We're just everybody's out there to lead us in the right direction. And that, like I said, that you know, their our key is to educate each student we can get we can reach. Even if it's one student out of thirty, we're if we reach that one student, let them know how important it is to keep agriculture alive and keep small farms alive. And as we do here in Waldron, you know, we were, we also had, during that time when we were kind of struggling with all that, we had a 17-inch rain here in Waldron, and and it put our hay production like way behind schedule, and we wow. all just we all thumbed through it and made it go through it, and then we were still trying to educate our kids, and we were all struggling as well as farmers struggling trying to get our because we knew what was going to come for if we had a bad winter, we wouldn't have the hay production. But we all went through it, and the ladies, like they are, they were out there. They were like, Regina, we got this. We can do this, and we and we done it together as a whole. Like I told, I told them at the beginning, when I first found out, it, it took the whole tribe, 
and we are tribing, and we done we done it, and took every single one of us. They are really a bunch of good ladies. There's eight of us. There was nine of us, and one lady had to go, you know, step down. But we've got eight of us, and they are really good women, and they're they're out there to do what they got to do. Well, Regina, I, I want to congratulate you. Farm Bureau obviously congratulates mm-hmm. you. Um, Thank you. Is there any is is there anything I missed that that you wanted to tell about your committee or about any of the programs? that you're doing the only other thing that i would that i think that the ladies helped with this and we really enjoyed doing this we done um during that week of national ag week the farm bureau had a challenge you know you exploring uh, arkansas so what we done was we had we put up together seven days of exploring agriculture through a student's eyes and we, oh. we picked we picked seven days straight in a row, starting on Sunday, and we picked, like, day one, you'd create a pencil drawing of anything ag-related. And then we had another day that we picked um, ag-related. They had to do posters. For one day, they had to log all their meals for that day and told us, you know, the commodities that actually comes within that meal. And on the very last day, on day seven, we just wanted to, because there were so many kids that was involved, and we had lots of good turnouts on this. We we decided that we would just let them go outside, relax, and take a picture of something outside that they were very blessed to have. And to me, that that touched so many kids, and there were so many good things come in on that. And I was like, it kind of um, touched my heart as well with the kids because they were out there. And we had a couple guys that we knew here at the city, and they, they judged these kids. And then we give them money from, you know, give them a reward. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that went over really well, and we will we plan on doing that again. No matter if we don't have, you know, for if we're not celebrating Ag Week that week, we're still going to do that again because the kids really. There's some creative. We got some really really talented kids in our town. We, so you know, the fun. fascinating thing is 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 that as you learn new ways to communicate and and yeah. pass along information and educate the kids, the kids also. It was great because you were able to get. Uh, then participate and send things back to you or comments back to you. Mm-hmm. And you really got to see the diversity and the intelligence that's out there. And and that's opened up new doors for you, I'm sure. It has because we didn't actually come in contact with the student. You know, we had lots of restrictions through right. the school system. Right. I had Mr. Fielding said, you know, we're going to have to work around. We cannot be involved with them. So what we done was they emailed me all their work. I would print their work off, and we had to see it through second. And we had like a picture you draw is not going to be as good as a picture that you drew that you not through an email as well, you know. Right. It's just not right. there. So we had to really look past that and just see how much that that child actually put their mind into the agriculture side of it. So that's that was something that we had to we had to take into consideration. But we done really well, and the kids all done good. And then we have well, another we have another go. project we had going. It's called uh, Recycling Your Jeans, and we gave well, we wanted to ever all the kids to know. And we had them drop them off outside, so we still didn't have any kind right. of uh, interaction with them. But uh, it was just a drive force, and even through Scott County, not just the kids, to ensure our community, our children understand and respect the responsibilities. You know, of of what it's like to put an old product back into new new life, and that was something that we done is recycling of jeans. That is neat. Regina Oliver is the chairperson for Scott County Women's Leadership Committee. They were the winners of this past year's Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee Award. It's the top county in the state. 
And thank you so much for spending time with us, Regina, on this yes. edition of Arkansas AgCast. We wish you the best thank as we you. roll into 2021, and uh, hopefully things will be much better. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I, we're hoping for better, but we, we're ready if it's not. We got, we've got plans to, to move forward as we did in 2020. And I'd like to say I appreciate our board. And the office staff at Farm Bureau, and they, I mean, for all of us, this eight ladies, you know, we made things happen. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have been able to do it. But it, it took all of us, not just us. It took our board or the office staff and everybody to make this possible, and we all done it. That's all for another AgCast. We'll be off the next two weeks for the holidays, but we'll be back with more news and views on Arkansas agriculture in 2021. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us at Arkansas Farm Bureau.